Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this patch video for the web novel Out of Space taken from the website Royal Road. And as always I hope you enjoy the narration and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 301 Breaking Point 0655 hours Northern Front as the sky started to slowly brighten over the horizon, hundreds of rainbowish-hued domes of protection advanced across the battlefield that was lit up by a dazzling stars afloating in the sky. Orange-red traces were like some kind of firework display, burst out constantly, creating an enormous light show for everyone to see, while the thunder of the guns was a symphony of grand show. Captain Joseph frowned deeply as he observed the light show from the safe distance where the UAV broadcasted everything on the display screens inside the command bunker. Sir, the enemy are throwing everything at us. The command staff officers gathered the command bunker reported. We can't hold the enemy back with our thin numbers. Joseph nodded. Time to bring in the big guns. Throw everything you have at them, Joseph ordered. No point in keeping anything in reserve. He spread his arms over the map table and looked at the numerous red blocks representing the Imperial forces, while the smaller blocks of green represented platoons defending the long stretch of defenses. Every now and then, a staffer pushed or removed the blocks of red in the table and they updated the situation on the ground. Direct the Cobras to hit that flank, Joseph ordered as he gestured to the largest cluster of red in the tactical map. The staff officer quickly tallied the map coordinates and relayed the command over to the fighters being scrambled from the airfield. Damn, Joseph frowned at the map. Despite having dug in, fortified and holding a superior position, the enemy had enough troops to tie his men down while a substantial portion could still flank around either side of them or push onto the city. I want the reserve platoons to set up here at the extreme right flank. Joseph finally decided and he pointed to the northern eastern side of the city. They to delay the enemy should they attempt to encircle around the defensive lines. Sir, Angel Flight ETA to target, 18 minutes. Charlie 3 reporting a massive wave of infantry requesting for fire support. Alpha 1 reports movement along the river requesting river support to intercept enemy fleet. Fire mission acknowledged, time on target 20 seconds. Enemy breaching into the first line of defenses. Joseph watched his staff work seamlessly as multiple reports and requests kept running in from the forward lines and nodded to himself, knowing that his staff had fully adapted to the new ways of the human's way of waging war. He turned back to the observation slit in the bunker and looked over the battlefield and smiled. Time to show them who the barbarians are. 0710 hours. UN forward trench Alpha 2. The Imperials had learned their lesson had formed into a column formation with each magic protection dome stacking up behind each other. The Imperial sheltering under the domes marched forward like a battering ram. When the first dome at the head of the column was destroyed, the men scattered to the sides while the next dome continued pushing forward. Using this formation, the Imperials managed to reach the concealed markers indicating the distance. The Imperials, seeing their tactics working, gave a war cry and charged only to come to a sudden stop as a couple screaming RPGs slammed into the dome, sending the men inside reading back from the shockwave of the explosions. Mills peeked out over the trench and shook his head at the broken bodies lying all over the battlefield as the first rays of sunlight bathed the land. Damn frickers have guts! Another shriek of an RPG screamed out and hit another magic shield and the area around them burst into a cloud of smoke. Make ready, Moles yelled at his men around him. Riflemen, check your sights. Make sure you're zeroed into a hundred meters. 
The machine gun team ceased fire and swapped out their glowing red barrels and snapped new bolts of ammunition, giving the Imperials a breather as they pushed harder forward. Wait for it! Mills half raised his hand as he watched the shimmering magic shields appearing before him. Wait for it! As the Imperials crossed the hundred-meter mark, Mills chopped his hand down and yelled, Now! A demolition marine twisted the detonation trigger, and almost instantly the front of the trench erupted into flames and smoke. Dozens of claymore mines seeded in front lines detonated and spewed their deadly loads out, hammering and overloading the Imperial's magical shields as the shockwave rolled over the stunned shoulders. When the smoke cleared, several shields before the trenches were totally devastated, leaving the stunned Imperials unprotected by the magical means. Marines! Mills roared, and he leaned on his rifle. Fire! He put his word into action and held his sights over the stumbling Imperials, wearing a simple helm and what looked like skirts instead of pants, with a blue shirt under the suit of leather and metal armor. The kick of his rifle jolted him and saw the enemy he aimed at clutch his chest and disappeared into the smoking terrain. All along the line, the Marines picked their targets, firing at any Imperials not under protection at the magic domes, while the machine gunners and RPG teams hammered the domes. Mortar fire rained down in the rear of the enemy, the rounds air-bursting amongst the forest edge where the Imperial Reserves and forces were gathered. The punishing effects of the mortars took its toll on the morale of the Imperial troops, forming up to support the attack on the UN lines. The mages barely had time to conjure up magical barriers to stop the unseen Death Reaper, as lives were harvested without any indication of magic attack. All they knew is when they hear a sharp piercing scream, and the thunder that followed, death comes knocking. The soldiers, unwillingly to stand and still and be killed with the screaming death, ran in fear when they heard the mortar shell screaming overhead. As the enemy rear broke and the men in front edged back and certainly, even under the protection of the magic shields, they dared not advance any more as they realized their reinforcements behind them were abandoning them. The last straw that broke the morale was when several flying creatures dived down from the skies. A loud, wailing siren scream came from the creatures as they dived down to the ground beneath them, erupting in flames and smoke. Unknown to the Imperials, the Cobras were equipped with a propeller-driven siren fitted to each undercarriage leg that emitted a high-pitched scream when diving down for the purpose of damaging the enemy's morale and causing physiological damage. One by one, the Imperials at the front line stepped back, and soon the retreat became a rout as the men scrambled to be in front as they ran for their lives. The mages, with their concentration broken, could barely sustain a magic barriers as they popped prematurely, suffering from the brackish and disrupted magic. Soon, the entire line of Imperials withdrew, and the Marines cheered as they fired at the running soldiers. Northern Front Central Command Joseph glanced at the map table and command staff swept the red blocks and enemy's troops away from his defensive line and smiled in relief at the retreat of the enemy. Reports started coming in from the front as ground commanders radioed back their situation with new orders. Joseph checked his watch and noted that the pre-dawn battle actually barely lasted roughly 40 minutes, yet it took like a lifetime. He frowned as he looked at the deployments again before tapping the map. Rotate two-thirds the men for rest. But sir... That'll leave barely 150 men on the lines, one of the command staff said. If the enemy attacks again, we can barely hold the lines. I doubt they'll attempt any attack so soon after the debate. Joseph confidently replied while grinning. They need time to ready their men, restore the morale, lick their wounds, and sort out what the hell has beaten the crap out of them. 
We should have some time for our men to rest and recover and prep for the next attack. Joseph added next. We don't have the men for a prolonged siege. We need our men to get as much rest as possible and fight off the next attack. This will be a battle of endurance and numbers. Joseph gestured to the enemy lines. Will their numbers break first or our endurance break first? Northern Shard River. Skipper, I think they gave up the search already. Asked the pilot of the FAC-09 Daisy. We don't see any more of their rowboats. Shh. Second Lieutenant Quartz and the Daisy hissed as he peeked out through the battered armored window slits. Lower your voice. Sound can travel across water easily. The once pristine PT boat FAC-09 Daisy, hidden amongst the river reeds, as the low-hanging branches sheltered its upper structure. Gouges, nicks, and even burn marks covered the most top of the structure. Shell casings and broken arrows littered the deck of the PT boat as the crew kept quiet while waiting for the Imperial search parties to pass by their hiding spot. Courts narrowed his eyes and he strained his ears to catch the signs of the enemy as they nervously expected any moment the enemy would spot them. Courts caught the sound of splashing oars, disappearing away and let out a sigh. Um, that was close. I want a watch party up top to keep an eye on the enemy. Quartz ordered as he relieved the crew while he headed up to the map room. Where are we at? Quartz asked the navigator as he entered the tiny cavern. Think you can find our location? The daisy navigator shook his head. Skip, we lost our communication mast and even the damn radar. We've been dodging and avoiding the Imperials up along the rivers. The navigator continued. The only way I'm sure that as long as we have southwards, we'll eventually get back to the main tributary and find ourselves back home. Got it, Quartz nodded. Keep trying to see if you can identify our location. He next headed down to the engine room where the boat's engineer and mechanics were servicing the engine. How is it? Well, we managed to repair whatever damage we could, the Daisy's engineer reported, and also patched up whatever holes in the hull. But our Dragonite fuel is running low, the engineer warned. We have been running for more than a day non-stop. We're going to need to return to base soon or be dead in the water. Keep up the good work, Quartz nodded and climbed back up to the hatch to the wheelhouse. Skip, a word please. The Daisy's XO came over and gestured Quartz into the map room. The XO shooed the navigator out and closed the hatch before saying, Sir, we really need to get back to base soon. I know, Quartz sighed. Once we are certain the blue boys have given up the search, we will make a run for it. Our ammunition for the fifties and the twenty mics are almost depleted, the XO said grimly. Small arms ammunition is very low. And I'm sure Petty Officer Attic just told you our fuel situation. Quartz nodded. Yeah, but we can't go charging out when the enemy is surrounding us. Our boat is fast, but we can't breach a blockade even with our speed. The enemy blisters and mage will tear us apart if we rush blindly into them, Quartz said. We need to wait until dark and make our way back to our lines. But skip, the exo proud. It's hard to navigate through the waters in the dark, and we would be spotted by hundreds of meters away if we turn on our lights. No lights. We will be running silent. End of chapter. Chapter 302. Broken and Running. Edge of the Northern Forest. Moal's fists whitened as the rage and clenched them tightly against the reins of his war dragon. He watched the defeated elements of his troop retreating haphazardly in a disgraceful and disorderly manner to the rear of the swallowed down his rage. He tugged his reins savagely and jerked his mount around and retreated away from the front after casting a look at the hatred at the smoke-covered enemy lines. Regroup them, men! Stop their mad retreat, he ordered to his aides. This is a disgrace. Commanders, control your men! 
Maul roared to his nearby troops. Any man who runs will be given twenty lashes of a whip. The nearby soldiers hearing the threat paused in their step and made their stand hesitant. The red-faced officers and the commanders quickly chided the frightened men and restored order amongst the ranks. Moal fell back to their camp with his mind raising with the power of the rebels that had dismissed the reports of the executed commander's previous encounters as mad rantings and excuses for defeated soldiers. Now he knew differently, and he lamented the fact that he had those soldiers beheaded for their failure. He glanced at the routed soldiers and cursed inwardly, knowing that it would take some time to gather the men's courage and reform the ranks for another assault. He stormed into the command tent and glared at the Scorpion Legion commander and yelled, Everyone! Out! The rock's expression barely changed as he gave a nod to his aides, who saluted and left the tent with the rest of the staff. You lost! You knew that would happen! Moal roared fiercely as he slammed his arm on the table. What else do you not telling me? The rock barely showed any reaction to the outburst. Instead, he sat down on his writing tools and leaned back in his chair and studied the face of Moal's intently. Sit down and stop disgracing yourself. The rock finally spoke. I do not answer to you. Moal glared at the rock before grabbing a goblet and a jar of wine and sat down. You better explain yourself. I don't care how the emperor favors you. You better tell me everything involving these uh, United Nations rebels. There is nothing much to be said, Rock said in reply, just that it appears they came across to a heritage of either the gods or demons. A heritage from the age of the gods? Well's eyes widened. That's true. How can we ever defeat them? Ah! The Rock waved his hand dismissively at Moel's words. It's just a heritage. We do have some. Wait, you mean... Moel suddenly jolted and started Rock. Those? Yes, the bronze men are results of a heritage from ancient times. Northern Shard River. Fire in short bursts, yelled the exo of the daisy as the 50 cal gunner on the top of the flying bridge let loose a barrage of chaotic flapping wings hovering over the position. Conserve your ammo, don't bloody waste them. I know, yelled the gunner as he grunted with effort, swinging the twin 50s after the flying dragons, trying to track them as they swooped over to drop firebombs on them. Bloody dragons are everywhere. Daisy gunned its engines as it sought to escape the diving imperial dragons. The pilot running at cruising speed of conserve its limited fuel. As the day dragged on, they were unfortunately spotted from the skies from patrolling Imperial Dragons, and the rest were history. Starboard now, yelled the Exo from the flying bridge as he eyed the crew swooping dragons and flung brackish objects down. The pilot inside the wheelhouse quickly spun the wheel, throwing the whole PT boat to a sharp curve as the firebomb landed into a meter-high water spray and burst into a ball of flame that continued burning even on the water's surface. Quark yelled angrily into his intercom, Take that bloody dragon down! Skip, the pilot said as he wiped the sweat off his forehead. At this rate, we can't keep it going till nightfall. We'll run out of fuel if we keep this up. Crap, Quark cursed, knowing the game was up. With the Imperial Dragons hounding from above, they couldn't find a place to hide and wait till nightfall to sneak past the Imperial barges blockading the river. Fark it. Quark made a split-second decision. Pilot, rush out in the main river. Navigator, advise the route to take. The next, he picked her intercom and broadcast to the entire crew. All hands, brace yourself. We're breaking out from this blockade. Every man here has already gone beyond the call of duty. Now I ask for you to do this one more time. And your stations. We will break out of the Imperials and head home. Aye, aye, Skipper. The crew roared out enthusiastically, and they quickly jumped to their action stations. 
All right, you heard the skipper. The XO on the flying bridge yelled into the wind. Make your shots count. Twenty mics are only to gauge large vessels. The fifties are to keep the skies clear of us. The daisy's armament consisted of a single dual 20mm electric-powered mounted forward at the bow and another at the aft. Next to two flying bridges had a dual 50 cal mount on both sides of the boat with a single 50 cal in the gun shield. The daisy charged down the river, tributary, fast as it could, its shallow bottom ripping low roots of trees since the river as it raced out with several dragons circling around it. They sped up from one tributary to another, and Navigator used his memory to guide the pilot back to the main river, and after an hour of running, they finally saw the river ahead of them enlarging. The daisy had suffered a couple near misses from the firebombing dragons, which caused the first-degree burns in some of the topside crew serving as gunners on the gun mounts. The pilot skillfully cornered the PT boat as it came barreling out of the side river and into the main river flow before them. A couple of imperial river barges with fluttering blue and silver flags sat covering the river. All right, this is it, boys, Gort yelled into the intercom. It's make or break time. Brace yourselves. As they neared the two imperial river barges, the crew on board the two barges had long been alerted to their presence. The shipboard ballistas had readied and presented to the incoming vessel, while archers and ship majors prepped their weapons and spells. All the gods, please bless us, whispered the pilot as he nervously rubbed his sweaty palms against the sweat-drenched naval uniform. Give us a miracle. He aimed the PT boat right between the two barges, where the space barely large enough for the Imperial barge to squeeze through. But the space was way more than enough for a smaller and slim PT boat to get through. Gun one, target the port side, the XO roared. Fire! The forward open turret of the dual 20-meter autocannon manned by a gunner with his assistant squeezed the butterfly triggers of the guns. The twin-barrel autocannons barked one after another constantly, the muzzle splitting out traces, bolts, and superheated lead directly into the Imperial barge, holding its station on the left side of the river. The distance was around 300 meters, which, for the 20mm autocannon, was well within effective range. The bouncing of the PT boat spoiled the first of several raging shots of the gunner quickly corrected, and the next burst had the majority of the shells impacting against the heavy timbers of the barge, rocking it on its axis. Keep it up! The XO screamed with elation as he observed the shots landing on the Imperial barge. As they were charging in a straight line, and the F-20mm gun couldn't rotate enough to fire, hence their firepower was halved. Despite that, the effects of the 20mm cannon with Imperial barges made out of wood were devastating. Rounds that did not penetrate caused sporing from the heavy timbers, throwing razor-sharp splinters as long as a person's arm into unprotected flesh. The crew of the circling dragons seeing the carnage wrought upon the barges cried out in a dignified fury and ordered the dragons to swoop down, wanting vengeance for the comrades. Fifties! The exo seemed mid-weight dragon swooping down to attack. Quickly ordered, keep those bastards away from us. Twenty, aim for any majors you see, followed by any ballistas, he yelled at the twenty-millimeter gunner. Quark gripped his armrest of his chair nervously as the distance closed between them and the blocking barges. Come on, come on. All hands prepare for evasion action. He thumbed the intercom as he watched the enlarging shapes of the barges. Break to the starboard side now. The pilot spun the steering wheel and threw the vessel into a sharp curve as a suddenly half-black ballista bolts impacted near the previous position, throwing up huge splashes of water. Quartz mentally counted down the seconds in his mind and waited for the next barrage of ballistas, mentally timing the enemy's rate of fire. 
He guessed that the enemy ballista's crew were taking roughly a minute to reload the ballistas, and in one minute, they can cover a lot of distance. Suddenly, the sky seemed to darken slightly as the heavy thuds could be heard resonating off the hull. The intercom squawked and the voice of the exo came in, taking heavy arrow fire. Crap, Quartz cursed. Evasive action, Beta now. The pilot immediately threw the boat into a random maneuver as best as he could. There was only so much room to maneuver in the river and they could only rely on the speed to dodge most of the projectiles thrown their way. The barge on the left of the river had badly battered by the 20 millimeters of the gunning, quickly switched target, doing his best to keep the shots from missing the next barge, but with the sudden twists and turns, it was hard for him to land his shots. As they came closer, the daisy rocked wildly as ballista bolts punched through the hull, shattering the crew bunks and almost flung the entire PT boat over. The crew screamed as they suddenly felt gravity disappearing and the boat landed with a bone-breaking slam and back into the water a second later. Court slammed his jaws together on the impact and nearly bit of his tongue. Luckily, most of the crew were restrained down, otherwise they would have been flung off the boat by the sudden impact. But the support crew under the decks were not so lucky as they bounced against the bulkheads and had items rain all over them. And suddenly, they were between the two Imperial barges and the river before them was empty but the PT boat appeared to have slowed down. Damage report, Court spat a mouthful of blood out of his mouth and grabbed his uniform, pressing down against the stinging tongue. Talk to me! Topside or green, the exo's voice came through the speakers, bruised but all in one piece. We're losing speed, the pilot moaned. I'm seeing lots of red lights on my panel. Engine room, Court quickly asked next. Status? The chief is knocked out cold, a trembling voice replied. The engine is making some strange noises and the previous repair patches and the hulls all came off from the impact. We're taking on water. Crap. The quartz cursed as he heard the 20mm gun firing. I'm going to go down and check the damage. Try to get us as far away from the enemy ships as you can. Aye, aye, skipper. End of chapter. Chapter 303. Home Run. Court slipped down the stepladder and down into the engine room of Daisy. He saw the unconscious engineer laying against the bulkhead with an egg-sized bump at his head and shook his head. He would have to be thoroughly ensured that everyone keeps their helmets on when they are under combat if they survive this. What's the situation here? Quartz asked one of the mechanics who had hunched over the open panels of the boat's engines. Skipper, the mechanic replied. We lost one of the propeller screws from the landing. Crap, Quartz cursed as he gasped again. Any way we can fix it? No, sir, the mechanic slammed the panels closed and replied. It's a repair yard job. Damn it. Quartz looked at the paddles moving and the water slowly gathering below his feet. Patch up what you think you can and get Alex strapped down while we take a medical on him. Hi, Skipper. Quartz left the engine room and went down forward to the crew quarters, located at the bow of the ship. He looked at the ugly mangled ballista bolt that had pierced through the overhead of the crew quarters, impaling the starboard side of the triple stack bunks. Luckily, the bolt did not pierce all the way through and hold the boat below the waterline, but the force of the ballista nearly killed everyone. He exited the crew quarters and climbed up to the deck and saw how the ballista bolt had stuck at an angle right at the bow deck, missing the 20mm gun mount and its crew by only a couple handspans. The exo yelled down at the flying deck, Skip, we broke through the blockade, but the damn dragons are still following us, and we're slowing down. I know, Quartz called out. How's the ammo? Last can of ammo on the 50s and 20 mics at barely two dozen shots each. The Exo replied, We're screwed if there is another blockade up ahead. Keep your pants on. Courts didn't want to make their situation so grim. 
We made it this far, we can make it home. We have survived so far with barely anyone having any injuries, Quartz grinned. We can do this. Skipper, the 50 girl gunner yelled out suddenly and pointed ahead. More Imperials! Quartz spun around and stood next to the 20mm gun and used his binoculars to scout out the river ahead of Daisy. Immediately, looming hulks of another two Imperial barges covered his view, and the two ships blocked the river further downstream. Crap! His face fell as he put it on his binos and cue the impeding doom. The circling dragons overhead roared in unison. What do we do now, Skip? Gunner crew from the 420 mini asked him as he stared silently ahead. Courts glanced around and saw most of the crew had come up to the decks and were looking at him with hopeful eyes. Eyes that looked upon him for answers to this predicament. He opened his mouth to tell the crew that there was nothing to be afraid of, but no words came out and he couldn't face them, for he knew that there was nothing that they could do anymore. The daisy was running on barely a third of its speed and a majority of its hull was badly damaged. He could not suffer another hit like the ballista bolt that was stuck at the bow deck as a grim reminder of the vulnerability. Ammunition was all but used up and the men were all tired but had already put their best. The men seeing the skipper looking away knew that he had used up all of their luck in a lifetime and they couldn't escape their fate anymore. Hey Skip, didn't you always say not to give up? Yeah, the crew of the Daisy grinned and they proudly stood with heads high. We single-handedly destroyed half of the dozen Imperial barges and killed more enemy to send us on our way to the next life. What more can a soldier want? The crew boasted. We must go down fighting and show these blue boys what a true warrior is. You guys, Colt straightened up and saluted smartly at his crew. You and the Daisy are the damned finest crew that I and boat that I've ever had the fortune to serve with. I'm proud of you all. The crew of the Daisy stood straight and returned the skipper's salute solemnly. Action stations, Colt sparked. We'll fight like men and die like men. Northern Front Central Command Joseph turned away from the display after he finished his report to the High Command back at Haven. He rubbed his tired face and turned to the map table and took a deep breath, reorganizing his thoughts. The command has decided to send more guns and supplies in support of the offensive, but the Imperials also want little fighting men they could spare. But all that takes time for war materials to be transported over, and he worries that the enemy might decide not to assault his short defensive lines and instead take a detour around. And on top of that, there was an exodus from the previous standing Sin City that he had dedicated a valuable FB-1 Mariner to constantly supply them. And he also had a PT boat and its engine crew gone MIA for two days over the northern Shard River. Too many things happening at once, and he only was limited resources to deploy. He had to order another PT boat to keep an eye out for the missing boat and its crew as it went on a reconnaissance into the force of the river. He looked at the UAV imagery and the rows and rows of tents that was just two kilometers away from his forward lines and was very tempted to unleash all of his firepower in hitting them. But he decided not to, to keep it a surprise once he was certain that he could catch every single one of those blue bastards together once their reinforcements had all gathered. Besides, he did not want to let the Imperials know his artillery range so early in the game, and hitting their camp now would force them to disperse, which makes it even harder for his already limited troops to stop any attacks if they decided to attack in small groups from all directions. The terrain was too open. Joseph frowned as he wrapped his fingers on the map. Luckily, the Imperials were not trained in modern warfare. If not, they would have dispersed their troops and come from all directions. Instead, they continued with the traditional way and won and broke armies since the wars were started. 
If a battle was offered on a field, both sides will mass their armies together and throw at each other till one side remained. Or one side digs in and forces the other side to crack their teeth against their defenses. Normally, the attacking side with the greatest strength will not overlook the defenders and instead will attempt to thoroughly destroy them, least they risk having an enemy at the rear. Joseph was hoping that Mual would not overlook this defending force and keep attacking them instead of taking a detour around. A detour that would take days for the Imperials, but it could severely threaten Joseph's position and even the city. He knew the enemy would be using waterways as a supply route, hence he let loose his only two PT boats to raid and ambush their supply ships, but he did not expect to lose a PT boat on the first day of the battle. He wanted to send out the Cobras to do a search for the missing PT boat, but declined it almost immediately, as he needed the planes to do his rapid responders at any massed attacks. After the first failed Piton assault, the Imperials had attacked once again during the late afternoon, and it was repelled by the combined efforts of mortar batteries and dive bombing of the Cobras. And he had assigned his two dragons on CAP, Combat Air Patrol, duties over the city instead of placing them in the front lines as he needed these Cobras on pure bomber rolls. And the remaining FB-1 Mariners were critically needed to run transports between Haven and Orwell's Point instead of bombers. Sir... One of the command staff suddenly called out, FAC-10 just spotted the missing FAC-09er. Where? Joseph asked quickly. Here. The staff tapped the map and placed a green boat-shaped token of the river. They are roughly 20 kilometers upstream. What's the status of 09er? Joseph asked in concern. Sir, 10 just reported that 09er is engaging the enemy. The staff reported. They are saying that they will provide assistance to 09er. Shard River. Court stood on the flying bridge and watched the distance between their boat and the two enemy barges closing fast. Crew members transferred all remaining ammo from the Taft 20mm gun to the Ford gun, and they took up positions on the deck armed with rifles and shotguns. Even the engine room mechanics were topside armed with weapons, as there was no longer any point in manning the engines. Either they made it through the enemy, or they'll die trying. He didn't bother to hook the safety line to the deck and instead checked his shotgun and worked the pump and chamber and shell. All right, boys, this is our last fight, Kors yelled. Show these blue boys how we fight and make this fight that people will drink to in bars. <sighs> the crew screamed as they readied themselves both physically and mentally. As they neared the blockade, the Imperial dragons overhead swooped down again, trying to disrupt the crew. As one of the Imperial medium-weight dragons swooped over, the crew fired their weapons at its underbelly, and by luck, or due to a sheer volume of small arms fire, the dragon suddenly gave a scream of pain before its wings folded inwards and the dragon and its crew dropped like a stone and splashed into the water. Yeah! The Daisy's crew cheered madly. Suck on that! Angered by the loss of one of their own, the rest of the dragons renewed their attack. The dragon crew, armed with crossbows, fired as fast as they could reload at Daisy. Luckily, their stocks for alchemical fire were depleted, or they would have bombed the Daisy. The forward 20mm autocannon roared as it came into range, targeting the leftmost Imperial barge. With the lower speed of the boat, the gun crew was able to accurately direct almost all of its fire into the barge. Smoke and debris rained down from the attacked barge, and a powerful 20mm shells chewed its wooden hull away. Some of the Imperials, frightened by the power of the strange weapon, fired their ballistas in panic. The hastily fired ballista bolts missed and gave Colts a sense of comfort, as he knew that their chances of surviving the charge went up slightly. Fifties, sweep the top of the decks, clear the archers and majors, Colts yelled. 
Twenty mics keep aiming at their ballistas. The rest shoot anything that comes close to us. He ordered the rest of the crew crowding the deck. The sharp crack followed by a smell of ozone assail caught his nose. A lightning bolt conjured up by the mages on board the Imperial barges almost hit the daisy, and the passage of lightning left white afterimages in his eyes. Whoever who knows how to cast a bloody shield magic or barrier better do it now, Court yelled, or if you got some magic artifact, now is the time to use it. None of the crew were proficient in magic. Everyone was barely able to even cast a level one spell. The crew could only pray for a miracle as the daisy entered the ballista's range. End of chapter. Chapter 304. Battle of Shard River. Rowan of Rocky bared his teeth in fierce display of bravado as he worked the wrench with all his might together with the rest of his ballista crew. The dark grey silhouette of the demon ship appeared to be charging directly at him with its dagger-shaped bow at a speed that the mind boggled to him. Over the course of the past few days, he had witnessed how it ambushed the flotilla and seven imperial fighting barges at least ten times its size. Not only did it disable two of the barges, but it also ran away while tricking them by releasing a large cloud of smutty black smoke. Next came the reports that it destroyed the pursuers sent after it, before briefly disappearing somewhere in the vast river channels. Following that, reports from patrolling dragons spotted it, and it managed to break out of the river blockade, and now was heading straight to him. Rowan had stared at awe and shock when he first saw how it mage weaponry tore up the side of the Imperial Barge, unlucky enough to be in its sights. He prayed as he squeezed every ounce of his strength, cranking and loading the wrench of the ballista arms as fast as he could. He flinched as he heard the telltale thunderous roar of the weapons and shut his eyes, mentally bracing himself for the destructive magic that was surely coming to acclaim his soul. Only to get a whip across the sweaty bare back from the screaming ballista crew leader. Why are you stopping? Keep working those arms. Rowan blinked back the tears from his eyes and surprise and took a quick peek at the firing slot. I'm still alive. He ignored the stares from the rest of the crew as he patted himself before he turned to help wind the ballista. Rowan let out a relieved sigh as he realized the demon cursed ship was attacking the other Imperial vessel first. Finally, with a loud click, the arms of the ballista were locked back and two hoisted spear that was as thick as his thigh and as tall as Rowan onto their slider. Stand clear, the senior, most ballista crew yelled to the rest of the crew. Everyone backed away from the weapon, preventing getting injured from the weapon firing. Rowan stood to the side and with the rest, the pain from the whip marks on his back forgotten as he nervously peered at the firing slot at the demon ship rushing to kill them all. Take aim! He briefly, the artillery commander, strolled down the deck and roared at the ballista men who tried their best to sight their weapon as fast approaching ship. Who fired that? He screamed at some fool panicking and releasing a ballista bolt early. Wasting the shot. Drag them out and give them twenty lashes of the whip. Mercy, my lord, mercy! The frightened artillery men pleaded and begged as they were dragged off by the soldiers. No! Hurry up and reload that weapon! The commander yelled as the stunned crew. And someone else take over that shooter! Suddenly, the hull of the barge shook and a loud crack sound with snaps could be heard. Someone gave a cry of pain and collapsed down with a puddle of blood and grew larger as Rowan stared in shock. The crew became restless and frightened as the loud cracking noises appeared to be something powerful slamming against the hull. Once in a while, someone dropped down from there and stood either with a cry of pain or silently as they had fallen asleep on the spot. Stand your ground, you imbeciles, the commander roared as he spoke to the crew. 
Get ready to loose the ballistas. He bent over to view the coming demon ship and raised his hand high. He chopped it down suddenly and around. <coughs> the commander jerked back and clutched his throat, ruthlessly trying to stem the squirting blood of the sudden wound in his neck. The men panicked at seeing their commander injured, rose in their stations, and for a second, everyone looked at each other in confusion. Rowan jumped into action and quickly pushed the stunned crew member away from the ballista. He quickly used the simple notches carved into the beam of the ballista to sight it an approaching ship and pulled the releasing bar of the ballista. Instantly, there was a whoosh followed by a slap of air against the body of the loud snap as the arms of the ballista snapped forward. The man-length bow let out the slider and whizzed into the air. The loud snap of the ballista jolted the rest of them into surprise and they quickly re-aimed their weapons and let loose their bolts. Rowan kept his eyes on the bolt and watched it wobble in the air before it slammed tipped down directly into the body of the demon ship. Yes! He cried in elation as the pent-up fear disappeared as he saw the demon ship swerve away sharply. I killed it! There, there, there's another one of those demon ships coming! Suddenly, a cry of alarm came from the open hatch. It's coming from behind! Rowan tore his eyes away from the scene of the demon ship floundering in the water and raced to the other side of the barge and stared out from the firing slot. He could barely see a speck in the distance, but it was obvious that it was another demon ship as it approached and moving at a very fast speed in the water. Everyone's attention was focused on the new enemy and the commander choking on his own blood was forgotten by all. What are you all doing? Someone yelled from the hatch. Why are none of you manning your stations? Where's Commander Rick? Men pointed to the body, spasming gently to his death throes as a person who asked the cursed. Man, the ballistas make made to fire at the enemy ship is in range. Rowan stood there, dumbstruck, as he watched the newcomer approaching at a speed that was way faster than the demon ship he just killed. We won't make it. The hull, where he stood next, disintegrated into frames and splinters. The high-explosive loads of the 20mm shells detonated as they slammed into the hull, turning Rowan into a steaming, bloody goop. FAC-10 Havoc flew across the water as the pilot put on full speed. The forward 20mm guns kept pounding away at the two Imperial barges at a distance way beyond what the ballistas, while the 50 kills threw white traces at the top decks of the ships, knocking down tiny men-shaped figures. Oh, Niner, come in! The skipper of the Havoc called out of the radio. Daisy, come in over. Damn it, Havoc's skipper slapped the radio headset back onto its cradle and cursed. Are we too late to save them? Keep up the fire, Havoc's skipper growled. Kill them all. Quartz moaned in pain as his vision slowly cleared. He winced in pain and saw a piece of shrapnel sticking out of his left shoulder. He struggled to his feet and slowly crawled up from where he had been and knocked off his feet. He noted that the boat was dead in the water and being dragged by the currents towards the Imperial blockade. The sudden impact of the ballista bolt had thrown him off by flying the boat and he had landed off the aft boat and hit his head against the 20mm gun mount. Luckily, he was wearing his helmet and removed it with great difficulty, seeing the helmet had a crack across the domed surface, which was most likely saved his life. Skipper, you alright? asked one of the 50 cal gunners at his side. What's the situation? He asked the gunner. We lost the XO and the pilot, the gunner replied in a low voice. We got another two men overboard, but we can't get them due to the current. Rap, Quartz cursed and shaking his ringing head. What happened? The gunner gestured to the wheelhouse and said, Damn, unlucky blister bolt hit the wheelhouse directly and, uh, Johnny is gone. The bolt wrecked the controls and caused the boat to stall. 
The gunner continued his report. The impact threw everyone not secured to the, to the feet. The XO and you fell off flying the bridge and, uh, he didn't make it, sir, the gunner said, and we are out of ammo for all the guns, too. Crap, Quartz repeated. Wait a minute, what are the Imperials doing at a time? I'm not sure, Skipper. The gunner gave a shrug. We only had some explosions going on board and those two ships on the other than that. There is not bothering us. Explosions? Quartz made his way unsteadily to the side and stared at the two smoking Imperial barges. He briefly could make out some figures scrambling on the top deck of the vessel, but that was it. And the Imperial dragons? Quartz asked as he squirmed his eyebrows at the sky. Gone too, the gunner replied. I don't know what's going on, but uh, we're all alive so far. Quartz slowly made his way into the wreck wheelhouse, where the internal bulkhead was painted with blood of the pilot, and the ballista bolt was directly slammed into the pilot, and the force of the bolt had turned the pilot into a bloody mess. He swallowed and stepped back and checked out the remaining crew. He started off with the fourteen brave young men, and now two were dead, two more being carried away by the river current, one unconscious, and the rest all varied degrees of wounds. Grab your personal arms, Quartz called to the crew, and whatever ammunition we have left, carry only necessities and look for food and water. We are going to abandon ship, Quartz said to his crew. I want all twenty mics and fifties destroyed. Whatever guns we can't bring with us, toss them overboard. Use the remaining fuel to burn the ship down, Quartz ordered to the mechanics. I don't want anything salvageable by the Imperials. They must not get their hands on our tech. Aye, aye, skipper. The men quickly obeyed his commands and started to sabotage the daisy. Quartz tenderly rubbed the hull of the daisy and whispered, Thank you for fighting this long with us. You are a great ship. I am proud to serve aboard you. Thank you. The sounds of hammering came as the after the men started to wreck the onboard weapons. Make it quick. We don't know when the Imperials will come. Quartz leaned out from the side of the daisy and gestured to the two crew who had fallen overboard, indicating to them to swim to shore. Both men, wearing their life vests, waved acknowledgement and headed towards the shore. He turned back to the wheelhouse where they had placed the body of the XO, who had broken his neck in the fall. He gave a quick prayer to both fallen men. See you, my friends. You have fought bravely and died gloriously. Wait for us in the Hall of Warriors. Skip, one of the mechanics climbed up to the engine room. I dumped the fuel out already. I just need to set the timer for the explosives and we can go. Quartz nodded and checked the rest of the wrecked guns, leaving the Imperials no chance to study them. Ready? It's going to be a cold swim. The remaining crew laughed and secured the gear before jumping off the boat. Quartz remained behind till everyone had jumped off before he took out a grenade from his pouch and pulled the pin. See you, Daisy. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.